And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. You listen to this show because you are an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, maybe you know an entrepreneur that's on the show, but one thing I know everyone wants to do is build an empire, a brand, a network, and hopefully some income that goes with it. That's what we're going to talk about on today's show which is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. You can go to Fullscale.io to learn more. If you weren't aware, that's my company. We love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. I've got an amazing guest today. It's got a whole bunch of knowledge to share and we're gonna see who can extract more of that knowledge out of each other. With me today is Alicia Silberg. She is the CEO of Street Global VC and also the author of the book, Unemployable. If you listen to this show, you know that I want all of you to be unemployable. Stick around. We're going to talk more about that. If that didn't make sense, I guarantee you it will by the end of the show. Straight out of San Francisco, California, Alicia, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hi, Matt. Super excited to be joining you. I'm a huge fan of you and the show. Thank you. I'm a huge fan of, of anybody that under, understands the term unemployable as well. And we're going to talk about that some and more. Prior to that, let's get a little bit more about your backstory. Grew up in South Africa, difficult circumstances from a very early age. Um, I knew I wanted to come to America, you know, born and bred American through and through and um, went on a journey, went on a journey and startups, I believe, saved my life. And I believe that anything's possible using technology. And that took me on this journey from deepest, darkest Africa to Silicon Valley, where I get to partner with extraordinary people like you building startups. And um, I, that's my life's purpose. Couldn't think of anything else in the world I'd rather be doing. And I'm officially the queen of unemployable. So <laughs> beat that. <laughs> well, we, uh, and for those of you listening, Alicia and I had a, had a, a very vibrant minute before I hit record talking about unemployable. And I think if you want to build a brand, a network and your income, you need to make yourself unemployable. What does that mean? I'm going to let the author of the book go first. I have my own take on it, but let's hear yours. For me, um, I went for a job interview at a fancy bank and they, I did, you know, a test in it and they said, you're unemployable. By that point, I'd been a founder basically my entire life due to survival. And it was like an existential crisis being told you can't work here because you're unemployable. And I was like, what do I do with this information? And it was a very, very tough thing to own. At the same time, it was the truth. And it was a gift, a gift that would say, serve me for the rest of my life. And um, what does it mean to be unemployable? It means that I don't have to work for anyone else. It means that I did hire myself, the title and the subtitle, hundred percent true. And, um, there's a generation of people out there just like us who are like, you know what? I don't want to work for someone else. I want to build something of my own. And 
I can basically create substantially more wealth for myself. I can use my own superpowers to do it. And it's a lot more fun, a lot more interesting. And um, they get to partner with people like us. And so I think unemployable basically means choosing, choosing your own path and loving it. Yeah, and the word unemployable could certainly go two different directions. There are people that are unemployable for reasons that are different than you and I. Um, you know, I, I, I learned several years ago that uh, the Vikings would arrive to whatever shore they were headed towards. And, you know, they were conquerors. And whether you like them or not, that's not the point. They would get to where they were going and then they would set the boats on fire. There was no turning back. You were there. There was no escape. It was live or die, and they would do one or the other. So I have always looked at like the unemployable side of things as that. Like you have to be all in. I I get so many people that whether we're meeting at an event or they've reached out or it's a phone call or whoever, they want to start a business and they want to do something and they've got one foot in the door. That's it. They don't know if they want to quit a job or whatever, but that never gets it done because 50% of your focus usually ends up being about 25% of your desired result. So in order to become unemployable and build a brand and get investors from venture capital firms similar to yours, if I show up at your firm with a pitch deck for a great business, but I am have my loving arms wrapped around my career of working with someone else, are you going to write me a check? You've got it. Brilliantly I mean, said. Right. Absolutely brilliantly said. And that's, and you see it in the weirdest of ways. Like I had no choice. It was my truth. It's in my DNA and someone very early on saw it. And it was like, yeah, um, I can't work for someone else. Um, I think my standards are extremely high. I'm very demanding. I work very quickly. Um, and I expect everyone around me to constantly level up because if you don't have a growth mindset and you're not constantly improving as a founder, constantly learning and adapting, you'll die. And what's interesting with them, with the, like if I think about it from an investing perspective, we've had founders pitch us where they're working at like a big tech company before that. And you can actually see just like you described it, where it's like, I love the idea of doing this. I've got a potential co-founder who wants to join me, but I've still got one foot in the door. I'm still like, okay, I like working at whichever big tech company. Um, I like getting my nice lunches. I like getting my nice salary. And I, I like all that stuff, but I want the startup thing too. So I want it both ways. And I think that's been the really interesting thing in terms of ensuring that I use that, that DNA inside of me that you have too, that gut instinct where it's like, is this person going to live and die by this thing? Like I've had a founder who he was building and he literally, he went beyond sleeping on people's couches. He was sleeping in his car. None of us knew this, but like, and when he was sleeping, like in a bed, it was like cockroach infested. He was so determined to succeed and his burn rate was so low. And every time like he went through difficulties, it was like, you'd see these investor updates and you could see that passion and that drive. And you're like, I'll help this person. No matter what it takes, I'm going to help this person because this person has gone all in and they're not going to take no for an answer. And someone like that is very proud to be unemployable. He's yes. He went to an Ivy league. He dropped out. He's like, I'm going all in on building my business. And for me, that's very inspiring when a person's like, I'm going all in and everyone around them is like, I'm going all in because the person literally wants to do this more than anything else on earth. I think that's a key ingredient. And, you know, I love entrepreneurs that have scars and what you described are either scars or, or wounds preparing to be scars. Um, I think it's, 
it's a big, a big part of your identity is a lot of the things that you've done in the past, but also the short memory that might come with some of them. You know, when it comes to athletes that, you know, sometimes make errors in front of millions of people on TV, they need to forget about that and move on. But sometimes, you know, you got, you got to, you got to own it. You're not going to see them in an interview after the game say, oh, no, I didn't drop that ball. Well, we all saw you drop it. You know, it's not you have to own it and move forward. Um, when it comes to like the, the scars side of things, like first of all, I love the story about I, I feel bad for the guy living in the car, but I want to write that guy a check because exactly. that level of determination and and perseverance well, it equates to passion. And I don't think, so here's a question for you. Can you build an empire, a brand, a network, and income without being passionate about what you do? Absolutely not. I don't no think way. so either. Yeah. No I think that that passion is what, you know, passion, being passionate about something doesn't make it feel like work. It uh, makes you get a, I, I describe self-discipline as doing the things that you need to do at the times that you want to do them the least. And if you're not, so that's another thing too. You look at like the person that has one foot in, in the door and one foot out. If that, that person may lack passion. If I, and you talk to a lot of people at, 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 uh, you know, at your, at your firm and, you know, if someone shows up to street global VC and they've got their pitch deck, can you smell and just tell when they aren't passionate about what they're doing? Yes. And I think it comes from a lifetime of create. Like I've been building since I was five years old, not because I was like Elon. We both grew up in Pretoria, South Africa, but he was like this genius. I was just a survivor. So I used building companies as a means of survival and earning an income and actually just not living on the streets. And I think it's that constant reflecting on, and at times those pictures look so good. You know, like they're like, like everything looks perfect. You know, those kind of pitch decks, it's got everything, the problem, the size of the market, the everything, the founding team, everything, absolutely everything. And then you, you have to, like, I do a lot of meditation and I use the meditation for times like that, where it's like, I, I have to drop deep and I have to be like something, something doesn't feel right. And it often shows up inside my body somewhere. And I'm like, everyone's saying yes to this person, but I can't say yes. And it's like this tiny, tiny, tiny thing, but it's there. And I think learning to trust that more and more over the years where I'm like, you can see it. You'll see it come full circle. It will take time and you'll see it by means of just like, you'll hear from the person five years later or whatever the case may be. And they'll be building a new company or, but it's like that. And the sad part is it's not, it's not a disservice to us. It's a disservice to themselves because you can't get the time back. I think that's the saddest part is they've convinced themselves because they're, they're seeking approval from someone. We don't even know who that someone is. Often they're not aware of it, but they want that validation of what society defines as it's cool to be a founder. And therefore I'm going to build this thing where I'm not a hundred percent passionate about it. But if they, if they stuck with it, if they thought about it long enough, they would find the thing that they are passionate about and they probably have extraordinarily more success. But it's like, did they do that personal work up front to define did they have that undying passion? Like you said, like, are they willing to work for free? I've worked for several, several years for free because it was like, it's pretty easy. Am I willing to give everything to this thing for free? If I fundamentally believe in it, that's a very basic question to ask yourself. If you're not willing to, don't do it. I think if you show the passion though, you're going to find people that will help you not have to necessarily do it all for free. 
Exactly. Like, that's okay too. Exactly. Like for those of you listening, like you don't always have to do it for free, but you might need to. Would you? Is exactly. a good question. Would you make the sacrifice? I've done that with my company, Full Scale. You know, we were, um, you know, uh, you know, coming up on six years old now, and the pandemic comes, and we had finally become profitable, and of course lost a big client the month before the pandemic and then the pandemic. And, you know, you talk about this fundamental mind shift of like going from like cashing checks to writing them and it, okay, that's where passion's going to test you. That is where resolve is going to test you. And I think that the main thing is, is if you want to own a business, regardless of how big or small it is, are you ready to do that? Are you ready to, okay. So with being unemployable, I'm also absolutely not afraid to go broke. I'm never going to go broke because I'm good at making money and I'm very confident in that and that will fix it. Now, being good at making money or being good at something doesn't always mean you're going to have it. Can you live without it? We talked about the guy that was sleeping in his car. I mean, I want to know who that guy is, right? I want to know who that gal is. And there's just a level of determination there that exists. So like what we're talking about here about building an empire, building a brand, your network. So, okay, well, let's talk about the network side of things. So we haven't really talked about that. I feel like people like we've been describing have a very easy time building a network. I believe you're hundred percent right. It's they easy to get behind people like that, right? Absolutely. Like yeah. watch this. That's, that's, I told you about the band founder. His name's Dan. So what happens? Okay. So I think he's awesome. I'm very proud of him. Like you talked about your story during during COVID and what you did. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, wow, like you guys will hit it off in a big way. Whatever comes of it doesn't matter. But someone like him wants to know someone like you and vice versa. You'll have a lot in common. And at some point or another, some incredible opportunity will come as a result of me connecting you guys. And I think it comes down to, like you said, dedication to your to, to everything. Like you, you described it so well in terms of discipline. And it's like, it's pretty easy to connect people when you fundamentally believe in them and they fundamentally believe in themselves. When you don't want to connect people, like when it comes to founders, is like when they screw around, when they're like, as you said, they're not all in on their business. And they're like, often it's fear. Often it's like they're not even aware of the fear. But then they're asking me, and it happens frequently, please will you make this intro? Please will. Okay, well, investors, anyone knows inside my LinkedIn account, if I bring them something, if I bring them a startup, that startup has been very, very, very well vetted, and I won't mess up our relationships. So when I bring someone who's extremely successful, like you, something, you're going to stop what you're doing. You're incredibly busy. You have a lot on your plate, a lot of founders demanding your attention. You're building a big business. And you're going to be like, Elisa sent me someone. I value this relationship. I'm going to pay attention to what she's sending me. And if the founder wants a call, I'll give them time of day. That came from several steps along the path. It never just happened by accident. That person had to earn my trust in order for me to say, I will leverage this very valuable relationship of trust in order to make this connection. I, I think that's a key ingredient because what, what you, I'm the same way that, oh man, oh man, I have had many people get frustrated with me or say things to me because, hey, man, I thought we were, I thought we were boys. I thought you got my back. I'm like, yeah, but you're asking me to introduce you to my most valuable connections that I have cultivated for years. And your pitch deck sucks. Like, this is not good. I'm not going to go take this and show it to my friends because, well, why not? What do I need to do better? I just told you what to do better. Now go fix it and come back and show me. And then, well, what, what, just help me out. Let me talk to a couple of people. Let me get their feedback. Mm -hmm. No, because the first time I put crap in front of anyone, 
the next time eh, you end up in the maybe pile. And then if that's not a burner, then yeah, you're probably just not even getting any attention at all. And, and, and I think when it comes to, okay, if you want people to help you, first off, you have to make it easy for people to help you, right? So you will get more help from the world. And this isn't about business. This is about life. If you make it easy for people to help you, then you will get more help. But you know, along with that, like you got, you got to come proper. You got to, you got to make sure it looks, you got to respect people's time and all of that. And just cause I know someone that you want to know, doesn't mean that I'm going to put that out there. Now, you know, the, the, the networking side of things, um, I think over time I've really kind of changed my perspective of it. Cause I'll be honest, I don't really like going to events anymore. So I started creating my own right? These little small box things like all founders only or something. We'll do different nights or different things. And we've done them all around town. And it's like, I find that when it comes to networking, if you can't, if you can't find the right environment to go to, don't be afraid to create one yourself. I think entrepreneurs respond to other entrepreneurs. I mentioned like having something where a bunch of founders came. I don't mean a bunch. I don't mean like a hundred because I don't like events like that. I end up having 97 meaning non-meaningful conversations Mm -hmm. where if I can go to something with eight, nine or 10 people, it might be a little different. Now, as far as the networking goes, I think it's, it's important to let people know your past and what you want. And, and you, if you want to try to pull value out of anything, you need to understand that you have to make withdrawal or you have to make deposits before you can make withdrawals. So, you know, if I, for, and this is just advice folks, like, like take this wherever, if I meet Alicia and we, you know, like we just did, I'm not immediately asking her to give me stuff. I, what can I do to make your life easier? What can I do to help you solve a problem? Who, who you know, where can I add value? And if you go in it with that mindset, it doesn't mean you have to say those exact words every time, but if you go in it with that mindset, you're going to de- you're going to build an, a, a trust account with a lot of different people that who knows, you know, there's, I mean, I've probably got hundreds of people on that list that I'll maybe never reach out and make a withdrawal from, but I let those accounts keep accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And I provide myself as, as some kind of valuable resource, but I want you to do the same. What, what's your advice when it comes to a new network and how to present yourself and I don't know, handle all of it. You're incredibly wise. I hope founders listening really pay attention to what you're saying because I think a lot of information is available on the internet, but it's the stuff that makes or breaks companies. These things you, you're talking about that is a level of etiquette that if you just engage yourself, like you do this kind of thing, you'll be very successful. I think there's two things that I want to touch on. I think about it. I spoke at Google at Google in 2018 in London. And there were a ton of founders there. And I was very nervous. You know, it was like kind of an intimidating thing to do. And it was incredibly special because they were all like African founders who, you know, moved to the UK and then met so many people. But there was this one founder, his name's Slyden. And he had challenges with his business. Like, you know, several challenges, wasn't an easy business, hardware business. But he made up his mind that he was going to build a relationship with me. And he had that belief, like you said, where... He cultivates a really good network for himself, investors, journalists, whatever, but he was always willing to share. And whenever we built, it went from 
potential investor, potential startup investment to very close friends over the last five years. And I hear from him once a week, once every two weeks, always updating me. What do you think about this? Same was with the book. I went to him and I'm like, sliding, you're the reader. I need you to read this once, twice. And it was really bad in the beginning of the book. And it became a very close relationship where there's basically nothing on earth I wouldn't do for the founder because he never came in with an attitude of entitlement. He came in with an attitude of like, I'm a generous soul. I want to build a relationship. And I'm sure he he behaves toward everyone around him the same way. And I think that's incredibly important to do, just as you said, because I watched how how close we got and how I'm willing to leverage every relationship in my network, even when he still has challenges with the business. Everyone knows how hard hardware is and the probability of failing, but he has proven the kind of person he is and that I'm willing to take a risk to help him. That's the first thing. In terms of building a network, I'm the same as you. Like I couldn't stand going to all these events, like that, that event I told you about where you don't actually know anyone by the end of it. Like it's really tough to build close relationships and I host parties. And I I believe in serendipity. So I'll say to you, okay, let me know when you're in LA next. And, you know, you're busy in those things. And you'll be like, you'll message me and you'll be like, I'll be in LA in two days time. And I'll be like, you know what? He's cool. I want some of the founders to meet him. I'll message a bunch of founders. And I'll be like, I got a really cool person coming to town. Just come to my house. And the food will arrive at the last minute. Everything will be at the last minute, believing in serendipity. And the right people will always show up. And that's where the magic happens for me. People say like, What's your investment process? Tell me about your due diligence. And I'm like, a lot of this is about energy, serendipity, the right people. Um, Just that's how it works. It's about luck. And it's about the fact that the right person, you show up, the right founder shows up, you guys hit it off. You understand the problem they're solving better than I do. I'm like, what do you think? You're like, this is a really interesting problem. I want to get involved. I sit there with you and you're like, "Mm, like, take me through it. Okay, Alicia, what value can you add to the company? And we have those conversations where it becomes something, going back to what you said, about passion. Are you passionate about it? Am I passionate about it? Is the founder passionate about it? Can we create a group of people who will do everything possible to enable this company to succeed? And the rest, they keep on going. They'll have those problems in there, but it's got the right DNA. It's got the right ingredients in order to make it a success. So. Well, speaking of the right people, finding expert software developers does not have to be difficult, especially when you go to fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use Fullscale's platform to define your technical needs and see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Go to fullscale.io to learn more. You're smiling. You see what I did there, Alicia. I, I, so, I loved it. And yeah, I should hire yeah. you guys. Like, yeah, I, I take a lot of pride in that. I've been, getting, I've been getting a lot of thumbs up and accolades on that. And I need to be more humble and just let it happen and not acknowledge it. But anyway, no, the right people. <laughs> You're right. You know, so I, I just spent the weekend in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a beautiful part of the country where I got to visit the Vanderbilt's home, which 175,000 square feet. Good Lord. And one family lived there. But, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with a, a bunch of people I know. And I, I worked in the music industry for a while. So I, I get some interesting access. And I'm standing backstage at a rock concert. And some guy comes up to me. And he knew who I was. And he said, well, what's your, what's your approach to entrepreneurship? And I said, well, first off, I try 10 things hoping that one works. 
Um, when it does work, I try, I try, I found that crack and now I try to shove an elephant through and they go, well, yeah, but how do you have the idea? I said, I just keep talking with people about ideas until they, and if they feel good, we keep talking about them. And when they don't feel good, we quit talking about them. And that's the process. Well, how long does that take? Sometimes infinity, right? Sometimes <laughs> infinity, sometimes eight minutes, and you'd never know. And this will, well, well, how do you approach those conversations with full honesty and transparency? Like, I'm going to tell you if I think the idea is not good and I'll tell you why. And then, you know, sometimes people want to argue with you about it. And I said, Hey, I'm not here to argue about it. I just, maybe it's not for me. I don't see it going there or going here, but I think that's how you build the network with people too. It's like you mentioned, like you're, you're the founder you were just talking about. You get to know people. I, I've developed a, 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 at least a mildly acute sense of this person's going to be a winner. You know, there's some people you can just tell are going to win. And also at the same time, though, I think you have to separate people from, okay, there's a superpower that exists and I don't have it. But there are some people that are just so likable that they could tell you that your baby is ugly and you'd thank them for the feedback. You might be like, you know what? We weren't even planning on having a third kid, but I want to show you that we can make a beautiful baby. You know, but but those people are sometimes different. They're key players on a team, but they also might not be like there's a difference between that sometimes and the person. Hey, being likable is, is important, but it also uh, sometimes prevents you from being the person that has a tough conversation in some mm -hmm. regards. So I've also had to learn to, to separate that. Now I, you were nodding your head when I said, there's some people you can tell just will win. Do you, do you think that they can be sometimes confused with uh, like, what's another quality that can appear to be that way, but maybe still not be all the way in that boat? What I found really interesting, if I like, if I look at my portfolio, now let's take. I want to take a step back. You, you mentioned something very interesting again, that like this concept of being likable, and a point I got to in my life was, do I want to be liked or do I want to win? Right. And often, you can't have both, and I think that comes down to what you notice in a lot of the founders: are they willing to be disliked? And a lot of people say, I'm willing to be disliked. Absolutely. I'm, no. Are you truly willing to be disliked? Because if you want to do this, you're going to have to have some tough conversations. And it's on a daily basis, whatever the case may be. And there are times where you're going to have to go it alone, purely because your, your, your viewpoint, as you said, about taking feedback when they come pitch you. And it's like, you may go and talk to 40 people, and they all may be really good at what they do. And they may all say different different advice you're going to have to decide in the end because you've got the ceo hat on what is the right decision to make and live with the consequences knowing you have employees whatever the case may be the business may go bankrupt based on that decision and you need to be okay with that and that comes down to a lot of i think personal work where you're like okay i know myself well enough that i don't need everybody to always like me the whole time because as you said, when people are like, when they're starting a company, for example, and they're coming, it's very easy to say, oh, you're doing such a great job. This is fantastic. Yeah. The person leaves, they're smiling, they're happy, they like you. But have you really added value to that person's life? 
No, it was an easy option to just be like, this is a great idea versus sitting down and saying, okay, these are all the reasons I think this won't work and come back to me. It's much more work. It's much more work to actually say, I don't like it for these reasons. And so you're right. Likeable people, it's a double-edged sword. But at the same time, I think what I've seen with the portfolio is the founders that succeed the most are the ones that are very comfortable being disliked. Where they're like, I like the number of times I'll go to one of my founders, I'll be like, can you do this or can you do this? Can you advise? No, I'm busy. I can't do it right now. And in like for a while, it was like, hey, he's being rude. No, he's not being rude. He's focused. He needs to do what he needs to do because this is his priority. I backed somebody who knows what their priorities are. They're focused on winning. They're focused on building something very valuable. And they don't have time to answer my questions. And that's okay. And that was an interesting experience because I had to learn. This is not about him liking me or not. This is about priorities. And you can only have so many priorities in life at the same time. Yeah, I, I would definitely, if someone said, and you know, all right, I'm realistically someone that usually gets the answer I want if I ask. And I get that occasionally, you know, like, why isn't this person replying? I think it's okay. I think for the sake of your networking and your relationships with people, I know that most of the people that I know that I consider peers, if I, if they ask me something and I want, and I want to provide that value, I want it, but sometimes you have to be laser sharp and focused on, on stuff and, and be able to tell someone, Hey, look, I, I'm going to get back to you, but I need a week. Mm-hmm. I need, I need two weeks. I need something. I think if you just tell people that up front, I think that any entrepreneur that doesn't understand that hasn't been an entrepreneur that long, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that that that's part of it when it comes to, to building everything, you know, we keep talking about ideas. So let's talk about ideas even more for a second. Um, what makes a good one? I'd say that other people are willing to pay for you, pay, pay you for it. I think if you keep it super simple, that's what it comes. Yeah, down. and that and that and the root of that is it's got to solve a problem, absolutely, a valuable problem, absolutely. And then, but a good idea, in my opinion, isn't really worth a whole lot, if anything, if I don't think you can execute on it. Mm-hmm. I got a book. I got a whole shelf up here of books and notes and stuff that somewhere in that there's million dollar ideas everywhere, which aren't really that exciting to me, or I wasn't passionate about them, or maybe we didn't feel like we could execute on it. And I think execution is the true currency of entrepreneurships and startups. Um, You know, like, I mean, this isn't anything new here, but, you know, having someone that's visionary in your company and having someone that drives execution are two different things. Um, Do you think if you want to build an empire, you have to have a co-founder or can you go it alone? I, I know there are people listening who are going it alone and they want to hear me say, it's great to go it alone. Yeah. To some extent, it's great to go it alone. If you don't have a co-founder and you want to do it and you want to keep on going, keep going. And But if I look at what I see firsthand, like with the portfolio, you make it extraordinarily tough on yourself. Like you, you really do because you're wearing so many hats and there's no one to talk stuff out with. There's It's just you're burdened. And then when it comes to investors, you make it much tougher on yourself because the investors are like, how is this person going to do all this stuff versus like I've listened to interviews with you and your co-founder where it's like, you can see, you can see you both very comfortable with each other. You both know what your responsibilities are and there's a level of comfort 
that just from an actual day-to-day management of building the business, growing the business and that, that it's critical. Like it's really tough if you want to build a really, as you said, empire. You want to build one of those businesses, it's going to be really tough to do it. And then if you're going to do that, I know I heard you on one of your one of your podcasts talking about it was excellent, excellent insights in terms of, okay, if you're not going to give them equity as a, like a as a co-founder, you've got to bring on a founding team and they got to act as if they're your co-founders. And that's it, like, we, we can dive into that. But I can see the strain they take. And it's at the point where it's almost painful to watch if it's a single founder trying to build like a VC funded business. Like it's just too much because it's like, it, just just to hit your milestones in there. Like, it's really tough. Like, when you're recruiting, you need to be doing this. When you're doing this, you need to be doing this. There's not enough time in a day. And there are people that do it incredibly well. But at the same time, you do make it tough on yourself. Yeah, I, I think it's difficult to emulate and simulate the founder's viewpoint without actually being one. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring in, you can bring in a C-suite and great advisors and stuff like that. And to, if they're not fully, like, if they don't have a vested interest, and this is why so many companies set up early option pools and stuff like that, because I'm a big believer in this, by the way, you should have, if if people have a a vested interest in the success of the enterprise and they feel that that you have a different point of view always from the ownership seat. And it's just a little bit different. And there have been times where I have made decisions that were, painful financially, but they were not selfish mm-hmm. and were better off for our company. Um, I think that that stuff without, and I don't go out and put those on a pedestal and brag about them to the employees. They happen oftentimes quietly um, and without a lot of people knowing, but I think what trickles down, you know, I've got over 300 employees worldwide now, and there is a, and I, I personally, well, according to highly anonymous employee engagement polls, there's a strong belief in the management team at the company to do things that are positive and, and not selfish, essentially. I won't get into like the 10 different categories we ask, but I think that's an important thing because for those that are employable, you want to work for people that give a shit about what you're doing. And like, you know, it can't just always be about you. I think one of the more um, poignant kind of things that comes with with being a, a founder is you have to develop the ability to, during the worst times of the business, to shield everybody from it and take it all. You got to take the bullets, the arrows, the punches, all of it. And then you have to learn how to step away at the good times and let everybody absorb the rays of sunshine and positive everything that are coming down. And and you know what? You're not going to be good at that right away. You're not, it takes a little bit of time, but, but with that, what you will find is there's going to be, yes, there's going to be a small handful of people that won't notice or don't care, but the other people that do it, it cement, it begins to, to build a, 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 I don't know, legacy of sorts, you know, just meaning like there's, if there's belief in the people that run it and you look at all these great companies that are out there 
And there's the founder as a persona that matters in that company. Like, you know, there's people that work at Tesla that are just, they love Elon. I don't know. Maybe you like them. Maybe you don't, but I, there are a ton of people there that believe in the mission. They believe in the output. They believe in the product. They believe in all of that, but that starts from the founder level. And then you look at, all right, better.com managed to finally go public. Um, if you're not aware of that story that went with that, you know, that CEO came under a high level of scrutiny for like firing 900 people simultaneously through zoom or something like that. Oh my God, what an uphill climb had to come with that. So you look at like the, the founder persona and where that comes from, like that was a bad decision clearly didn't do very well for the company, but then you had to climb, get up and climb out of it. So, you know, founder personas can go both ways. There's certainly, I mean, God, we could probably do a whole episode called bad founders. Mm-hmm. We could do a whole series and a whole month worth because there's a lot of them too. But these are the things that talk about building, building. Okay. Tell me someone that's built an empire without having that strong persona that went with it. It's difficult to do. Who, where, what's a major company somewhere where no one knows who the founder is or the CEO or the leader? That's an important part of things. I think that does definitely come with trust. Congratulations on what you've accomplished because it's almost difficult to, t- to, to touch on all the elements. Again, all these nuggets of advice you share with these founders and you're doing like a public service here. Um, those tough times where you carry the burden and no one's aware of it, but that's when the rubber hits the road when it comes to founders, where it's like, as you said, like it's about trust and they put their trust in you and their families put their trust in you. And you've got a strong personality. You're a leader. Like it's, you said, how do you know when a person has it? And it's like, just listening to you talk, your clarity of thought, and it probably didn't happen overnight. It took a long time for you to figure all this stuff out and to to give to give the room when things are going well and at the same time to to not create fear, to not create doubt, to be that that leader that they so they so very much need you to be. I can only imagine what COVID was like with you going through everything that you were going through and you've come out so successfully at the other end. And I think that's part of what people don't get when it comes to building these kinds of companies is the qualities. And do you have, like, if you think about yourself and if somebody said to you 10 years ago, what qualities do you have um, that would make you a good leader? While you wouldn't be a hundred percent clear on all of them, I believe you would be probably eight out of 10. You would be very comfortable being like, you know what? Like I have a strong personality. I know where I'm going. I'm very goals oriented. Um, can all make things, we, we can all get better at these things, but I think it takes a certain type of visionary to build very big companies. And as you said, there'll always be people that take it for granted what the leader's done. There'll always be people who aren't appreciative. But like I think about Brian Armstrong, for example, when they were going through such a difficult time at Coinbase, and he was like very clear who he wanted on his team. And he was very clear that if you don't fundamentally believe in the way we're doing things here, it's it's no fault of yours. It's no fault of ours, but you don't belong here and go and find something better to do. That's a better fit for you. 
And I think it comes down to values as well. The people that follow you have a shared value system. And you were clear, obviously, up front when you were hiring because you wouldn't be so successful. And like I think about Sam Altman, and he talks about how even to this day, like with everything happening at OpenAI, he's involved with every hiring decision because it's like it's so critical that 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 culture you created, which was not accidental, I can like I would imagine you gave a lot of thought to every decision you made because you're the kind of person that I would believe is very reflective in terms of things you did well in the past versus things that you could have done better. And I think that's the kind of person people want to follow. And I look at where your business is now and I have this con- let's have this conversation five years, 10 years time. My bet is you'll be very, very, very successful, but you'll have done it in a way that honors your integrity, honors your values, honors all your stakeholders, whether it's your employees, your customers, your investors. But if people think that's accidental, they ask me, what do you look for? I don't look for mercenaries. I look for missionaries. And there's a very big difference between the two. I recently had someone ask me where I worked and I just pointed at my head. (laughs) 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 It's true. I I kind of was maybe feeling snarky at the moment, but but it is where I work. Well, where do you go to work? I just pointed at my own head and kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, yeah. And by the way, it's a battle up there. I, uh, um, you know, I know so many founders that have the ADHD quality that I have. I've managed, I know how to put that lightning in a bottle most of the time, but yeah, for, there's a lot of days where my, uh, my, my mindset sounds like a blender filled with bottle caps, you know, and trying to quiet that down. I think that's, I think that's the the challenge for the driven. Um, you know, we're almost out of time. I want to remind everyone, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders that full scale can help, we have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. You know, we're in defining the very best people we can have. Uh, you know, it takes 42 applicants for us to give a job offer. So we're looking for the very best people we can find for you. You can learn all about it. Go to fullscale.io. It takes about two minutes to fill out a form. Our system's going to match you up with a bunch of, of different people that hopefully meet the needs that you're looking for. And we're committed to helping you find the right people, not just people. There is a difference, folks. There is a difference. You know, I like to end my show with what I call the founder's freestyle. And I let my guests uh, um, freestyle for a a moment at the end. You know, these episodes, uh, my number one feedback for any show is, wow, that went quick. Um, So there's things that we forget to say and there's things that we, you know, I don't know, want to wrap up on and and highlight on. Once again with me today, Alicia Silberg, CEO at Street Global VC and the author of Unemployable. And that's, uh, yeah, that that kind of turned into our theme today. But, you know, Elisa, what would you like to say on the way out? I'll add a couple things on, then we'll, we'll call it a day. I think I'd love for your listeners to read Unemployable. And for a different reason to what they'd probably imagine, I'd love to read their stories. So if they could leave a review on Amazon, just in terms of their own personal stories, because I think that's really, really interesting. I love connecting with people. And um, seeing how people define unemployable. We're trying to change the perception of what it means to be unemployable. It's actually something to be incredibly proud of. And I've got a daily AI newsletter, which I'd love for them to read and gain value from. It's something I'm very passionate about. Let them connect with me. Lisa Solberg, you can find me on LinkedIn. And um, I love hearing from founders. I love having these conversations. This is, the, you know, my life's purpose. So um, just reach out. Don't be shy. Like, I think that's a big thing. Like, send me some cheeky message, like something really cool. Those are the ones, like there was this 15-year-old that sent me a message. 
and he patented some healthcare technology and he's like, I've sold my patent and now I want to join your firm. And I was like, dude, like, that's fantastic. Okay, I'm going to have a call. It was like so cheeky, but that's how you get people's attention. Be real. Yeah, well, that's also how you make change. You know, there, and I want to, I want to close out by also on the unemployable theme. I take pride in that. And I do. I mean, a hundred percent. I love it. I love it. I love there's just it. so many people that don't understand the term, you know, and it takes, like, I will, if I bring it up to some folks that so you can, and I said that before we started recording and I was telling her, I was like, God, I say this to people all the time. And they just look, they have like a glaze in their eye. They don't know what I'm talking What do you mean you're unemployable? You could go get a job, a bunch of places. Yes, I probably could, but you don't want to hire me. I'm not going to be that great of an employee. I'm just not. I mean, I, I'm a great employee at the company that I employ myself at. Maybe that's just what it's come down to for me is you can create your own environment. You can create your own reality. I do not believe in luck. Uh, people occasionally, they're like, oh, you've had a lot of success. You're really lucky. I did not feel lucky during any hundred hour week that I worked. But I did not feel lucky. Luck. Yeah. You I created don't... that luck working a hundred hours yes. at a, a week. That was the yeah. luck you created. That didn't yes. happen by accident. Yes. And whatever yes. came out of that, that was your creation. But that's not lucky. That's not lucky that, you know, you, I talk to people a lot that will get some kind of press or something. They're like an overnight sensation. That's and when you talk, they're like, yeah, this was nine years in the making. There you go. This is, there you there, go. There's very little that comes very quickly. Um, and I find that, you know, people that are determined to do things usually do things. Um, you do still have to have a good idea. You do still have to have a problem just because you're determined to solve the world's most worthless problem. Doesn't mean it's worth solving. Like there are still ingredients that, you know, it's like removing the flour from a cake recipe. Like there's not a lot of ways to get around that. So I love that example, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. The, Thank the you cake example. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right. There are a lot of people who are like, but this hasn't been solved yet. And then you see it like in the supermarket or something. You're like, yeah, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. They're testing it out. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, I've well, I've also had a lot of people tell me they don't have any competition and two minutes go. of Google searches proves that not only do they have competition, they might have too much, you know? <laughs> so, but with that, look, you know, you get, shoot your shot. Yeah, you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take, according to Wayne Gretzky. And that's a very famous quote. We'll quote Mike Tyson, too, because everyone had a plan until they got punched in the face. Expect all that to happen. I mean, it's it's really that really what's going to happen. But get out there and start trying. If we're naming cliche big company slogans, Nike says, just do it. If you, I, Oh, my God, I talk to too many people that tell me they're five years later still telling me about the same thing they're going to do they haven't done yet. And they're like, what do you think I need to do? I think you need to leave here right now and go start. Go start. Like as a book author, you know that most people don't want to talk to you about your own book. They actually want to talk to you about a book they have yet to write. Mm -hmm. Seems to be a phenomenon that authors experience. And they're like, well, what do you think I should do next? Go home and write something. <laughs> you know, it's just that simple. Just get started. I, the hardest step is often the first one, but you've got to take it. It's required. So you got to do stand up, like stand up, st start up, stand up. Like you really have to do I it. Actually have, so I actually I have some good, uh, I tell dad jokes for entrepreneurs and that's how I'll end one. So, you know, as a VC, I think you'll like this one. I, this one's just for you. I, I wrote my pitch deck in Braille. 
I'm going to get funded. I can really feel it. <laughs> and that's it. I'm out. Alicia, thank you for joining me. <laughs> Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.